0: Well good morning friends, it's Monday, this is podcast number 497, Monday the 7th, goodness, time flies when you're having fun. Grab your Bibles, grab your notepads, we're going to finish our review in chapter 1 today um, by looking at verses uh, 9 through 20, but let me pray for us. Lord, I ask you to open our eyes and enhance our understanding so that we can grasp what you want to teach us. And what we need to learn today, I also ask you to enable us by your spirit to apply the truths we learn today to our daily lives and to be guided moment by moment by your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Grab your Bibles. Revelation chapter 1 verse 3 is our memory verse. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near. Do you want to be blessed I hope you said amen, then read this aloud to yourselves. Read it to your children, read it to your uh, your spouse. Read it, read it, read it, and apply it. So as we look uh, farther now, we'll finish up um, our look at um, chapter one. Let's Let's read nine through 20. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, Um, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands and in the midst of the lampstands, one like the son of man clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, white like wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades right there for the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. And as for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars of the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the churches themselves. Even in the midst of suffering and hardship, the church of Christ can look to the risen savior and receive encouragement to both persevere and worship this, um, this recounting and this review um, is, is from the book um, that we've been looking at um, in, in much of this. And uh, it's the book, Christ centered uh, um, exposition and i love that book uh it's one of i guess about seven on my uh, on my list here that i've been looking at so um when we review this I, i'm giving you things that um that fit with what we've been talking about but also in one of the books and you will see um in each of the messages that i list all of the references at the end and so uh I should say Janie lists them all because she's the typist. Uh, So number one, the plan of Christ involves suffering and service. Welcome to Christianity. And what this is talking about in verse 9 is really our daily walk. Welcome to the Christian walk. Uh, Jesus said in John 16, In this world you will have tribulation, but rejoice. I've overcome the world. So because he went first, he was preeminent, he was first in everything that um, we can follow in his footsteps, knowing full well that what we experience is not something unusual. Look at verse 9. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and kingdom and the patient endurance uh, that are in Jesus, was on the alcohol patmos on account of the word of God and um, the testimony of Jesus. Number one, we suffer for the kingdom. If we know anything about Scripture, we realize that the disciples suffered. Not just the first generation disciples uh it got so heavy that the destruction around them and what they went through was incredible uh we we remember in acts chapter 9 when paul was breathing out uh threats and uh he went and got from the high priest um the ability the legal ability to go to damascus and to drag people back who were in the way or in the christian walk and they would suffer and they suffered her- horribly. They suffered under Nero. They suffered under Domitian. They suffered under so much um, that for for them to look at us today and think that we're persecuted in the West that would just be nonsense. But I do believe it's coming. I don't know in what shape, uh, way, shape or form, but I believe it's coming. We will suffer for His kingdom if we're truly involved in the in the, in calling ourselves Christians and serving God, we will suffer. Second of all, we'll suffer as we serve his church. Service for the church is not easy. Uh, take it from someone who's got about 40 years in that. It's not easy, but it's worth it. It's worth every minute of it. It's difficult. Sometimes I get phone calls in the middle of the night and people are going through difficult times. Um, there's a lot of people uh, close to me right now that are, that are struggling. Um, they've, they're struggling with health issues and going through marital issues. They're going through all kinds of things. Why? Because because you name the name of Christ doesn't mean you're immune to suffering. In fact, many times it's the other way around. It's because we will persevere and we will go through things, but Christ never leaves us. And that's the whole point, that it involves suffering, but it, it involves Christ as well, because he cares for us. A sparrow doesn't fall to the ground that he doesn't know. He knows our needs. He knows what's going on. So we need to understand we will suffer for his kingdom in some way. And we are about serving in the kingdom, not being served. Let me say that again. We're about serving, not being served. Jesus says about himself in in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, the Son of Man came to serve, not to be served. To serve, not to be served. If he didn't come to be served, how can we expect it? We need to get out of this service mentality that the church is there to provide for us. And we need to ask, what can we do? Uh, Second of all, the person of Christ should awe and inspire us. I mentioned this this week, this last week, that if we have this buddy-buddy, he's my dude, he's my guy mentality, we are looking at Jesus in the wrong way. He is... He is God very God and we need to understand that and we need to begin with awe and inspiration to see his life we need to sense his presence if we do not sense his presence in our life something is not right. Look at verse 12. Then I turned, John said, to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. Well, of course he did. Why? Because Jesus is the high priest. Where else would he be? He would be in the midst of the lampstands, which are the churches. In Leviticus 24, that's what Aaron was given the job to do and the responsibility to do to keep the lampstands lit, provided with oil, which is the representation of the Holy Spirit, And he would be in the midst. And Jesus is still in the midst of the lampstands today. And we're going to look at that in chapters 2 and chapter 3. And we need to marvel at his portrait. Look at verses 13 through 16 that describe what John saw. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. We see, I believe, the picture of the high priest. We see not the complete um Dress of the high priest, but the long robe and the golden sash around his chest. Fourteen. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His his eyes were like a flame of fire. Can you imagine what he's seeing, and he's trying to his best to explain it. That this g- white hair, as white as snow and as white as wool, is is on um, on Christ here, the Son of Man, and he sees him. Remember, this is his best friend, and he sees him like he is now. And this, he's trying to describe him to the best of his ability. That's why he keeps saying like, like, like. It's like this. But white is is a wisdom, and white is is power, and white is is purity. And then he talks about his eyes like a flame of fire. Uh, he pierces his eyes, pierce and sees everything. Talking about his omniscience and and uh, the fact that he sees everything and he knows everything. And that's a good thing for us, even though he sees through us and he sees all about. The fact is that we've learned that he loves us and he bled for us and he died for us and he rose again for us. And we need to, to see that. And we need to see this and we need to be in awe and we need to marvel at who he is. Look at verse 15. His feet were like burnished bronze. Refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. Burnished bronze represents a perfection and strength and stability and permanence. He is not moved by anything uh, off of his mark, and he he he's not taken by surprise on anything. And also is this uh, again permanence and strength? He's going to be there for us. And then his voice, uh, like the roar of many waters, the power and majesty of his. voice, voice that that speaks and the response to that is what's next it says the power of Christ should overwhelm and encourage us look what look at verse 17 when i saw uh, excuse me, I, I skipped verse 16. In his right hand, he held seven stars, which I believe are the pastors because they're in his hand. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. So uh, to finish up his portrait here, we see that we're in his right hands, I believe, that he has us, he's protecting us, he's keeping us. Although it talks about uh, the seven stars being the pastors of the church, I also believe it means he's protecting us and keeping us, Um and uh, the sharp two-edged sword speaks of his his word that cuts both ways. It heals and and it cuts. It cuts deep to the to the center of us because it needs to get to the bottom of everything. Um, it is the power and strength and the the sun shining in full strength. You can't look at the sun; it's so bright. And then the response. I skipped over this, but the response. Verse seventeen. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his hand on me saying, fear not, I am the first and the last. Um, It should overpower us, overwhelm us, and encourage us. We should be in awe and we should be inspired by Christ. We should not take him lightly. We should not treat him like he's just an extra in our life or treat him like, hey, I'll handle this, Lord, or "Or you're just for Sundays and and the rest of the week is for me. No, no, we should treat him with respect. He lives forever, verses 17 and 18. said, says, fear not, I am the first and I am the last. I'm the first and I'm the last. He lives forever, verse 18, and I'm the living one. I died and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Death can't even uh, keep him. He has authority over death. So we know that he is permanent and we know that we can count on him. Uh, And then it says that uh, I have uh, the keys to death and Hades, meaning that he controls everything, including life and death. The Bible says that he knows when a sparrow falls to the ground and he knows what's going on in your life. So we don't need to fear death. That's what Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 tells us, that he, he became like the children, wrapped in, in flesh, and he overcame death and, and overcame uh, the one who, who, who has the fear of death. Because the fear of death grips so many, so many. And I'm not, I'm not saying we should, we should be frivolous with life and we shouldn't care. What I'm saying is we shouldn't fear death, especially as a believer, because we know 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8 says, to be at home, absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord. To be absent from this body is to be at home with the Lord. What great encouragement uh, that is. So he has authority over death. And look at verse 19. He says, write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are, And those that are about to take place after this, what's that mean? He has a plan and his plan will be completed. Philippians 1, 6, the work that he started in you, he will complete the work that he started in this planet. He will complete. And so we need to understand that he has a plan. And then verse 20 As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And again, I think that's the pastors and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. He helps his people understand his word. See, many times the symbolism that we see in the book of Revelation is explained within the framework or the context. And if not, we have an Old Testament explanation for so many things. Let me finish with this. The book of Revelation is unique in so many ways. It is the only book in the New Testament, listen to this, where the writer is told to write at the direct command of the Lord who appears to him. And this is in the New Testament. He did it in the Old Testament, but this is in the New Testament. It was written at the end of the first century when the church faced persecution from without And compromise from within. And we'll see that in chapters 2 and 3. It was written by the last living apostle John. Who also gave us the gospel. And three other letters that bear his name. It was written from an island called Patmos in the Aegean Sea. Which is about 70 miles southwest of Ephesus. John was a prisoner there. It might as well have been a million miles from Ephesus. But God knew where John would be. And John was there for the reason of the testimony and the word of God. And God put him there, I believe, to give him this great revelation and would one day free him to send him back to share this revelation with others. He had been exiled there under the reign of Emperor uh, Domitian because of his faithful witness to Jesus Christ. Now, As we get ready to go into chapters 2 and 3, I want you to look at chapters 2 and 3, and especially chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. We're going to look at real letters to real people in real locations that were real churches. That's why when people try to symbolize all of this stuff, we need to realize John was told to write these letters to seven specific churches about seven, about issues in each of the seven places. And it's literal. And when the literal makes sense, we don't need to look for other things. We don't need to try to make it symbolic. I understand the dispensationalists who are trying to say that these seven churches represent seven church ages, and I think they do. I think they do partially. But they, first of all, Represent seven churches that were alive at the time of this persecution and this dealings, uh, these dealings that were happening. And Jesus understood them. And Jesus cared for them enough to send his best friend, John, this powerful revelation, and he told him to write. And what we see in these next two chapters for these churches was first of all to them, and then the entire revelation opens up. He didn't just stop by saying, write this letter to them and stop. He said, no, write these letters and then you're going to see what is, uh, you've already seen what's right in front of you now and what's about to take place. And he wasn't keeping any of that from those seven churches. We need to understand the revelation of Jesus Christ reveals Jesus, but also reveals the plan for the future. So I'm hoping that you're enjoying this I'm hoping that you're catching uh, even just pieces of it. Again, I told you we won't be experts on the book of Revelation ever, this side of heaven. But we're going to learn a little bit. We're going to learn more about our Savior. So let's pray. In 2 Cor- Peter chapter 3, verse 18, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. God bless you. Until we talk again.